Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Ellison with the Digital Education Podcast. And if you've been listening over the course of the year, um, we've been focused on a monthly conversation on stories becoming and becoming more human. Throughout the pandemic, we did a number of series on innovation and education and the changes that are happening in, in the pandemic. And then one of our fav- my favorite series, we did a two-parter series was called Lessons with Lasso. And then we've interspersed it with really cool people and friends of mine and educators and innovators and leaders who are doing great things in education. And so this is one of those traditional or more traditional podcasts of where I started. And it's with a friend and a great friend, Jacob Cantor. And Jacob and I got to know each other when I was a counselor at a high school in San Jose. We got connected with friends. And one of the things I love about Jacob is we love talking about education. We love talking about the the changes in education. We love connecting friends and making new friends. But Jacob, I'll let you tell a little bit more of your story, but today we wanna talk about ASU GSV. I had never heard of ASU GSV until you brought it to my attention, got to attend a little bit online, but you went to ASU GSV. First, give us an idea, tell us what it is, and then number two, give us like a major takeaway that 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 then you reflected on and we'll roll from there. Yeah, I love it. Uh, first, thanks for having me on. I know, uh, you know, uh, to all kind of the points you made, uh, the uh, partnership and friendship we have is special. So uh, always uh, love, uh, you know, uh, anytime we can chop it up um, outside of our text message thread that is, uh, you know, ongoing daily. Um, so first time for me going to ASU GSV, I've, it's been on my calendar for years and years. I attended it virtually, but the best way kind of, I really did a download afterwards and even before is it's kind of a mix of district leaders, so superintendents, deputy superintendents, IT folks from districts, plus company founders, CEOs from you name it, you know, folks running schools to people running tutoring organizations to master's programs, you name it, any kind of supplemental tools, plus the VCs and the folks that are actually funding all of these companies as they're coming to market. So it's a a weird three-prong kind of conference where you could be walking by somebody and they could be a superintendent. They could also be the CEO of uh, the largest ed tech company in India, or they could be a venture capitalist that is looking for their next investment. And it's all focused around ed tech. So really, you know, moving education forward, um, not just in the U S but, you know, really around the world. So, so when you, when you, reflect on your experience there and you know you you know it's been about two weeks um what's a major takeaway or what's one of the things that as you were reflecting on it that that it's a thread that hey we've got all these people in the same place having these conversations and there were some that was quick conversations um you know in the presentations but you're at the event you're with the people the conversations continue in the other spaces or in the relationships that you make but what was a major takeaway that you you had or reflection that you had from that event 
Yeah, I think some of it was, you know, going to great sessions and I'm a nerd at conferences. So as much as I love doing meetings and, you know, learning about what people are doing, I'm, I'm forever the person that wants to go learn from somebody that, you know, I've been following on Twitter, I've been following on LinkedIn for a long time. But I think the the neat kind of component of it was the serendipity of it. Like I was literally sitting and charging my phone and just said, let's have a conversation with the two people around me. And one of the people runs a school in Dubai and the other person is building a LinkedIn style program for students. And like, where would you ever get that? Where just a random chance conversation brought two completely random strangers together. And lo and behold, I have a friend who built a LinkedIn for K-12 and I was able to connect them. And it was like, you couldn't have scripted that in a book or in a movie better than just randomly like, oh, there's a charger and there's a chair. I'm going to take that seat. So it, it, it was an interesting mix of like, you know, I've been to the NACAX, to the WACAX, you name it conference-wise, where people are a little bit more reserved for meeting. It's not, you know, if you're having a social, and I remember all the years we've been to baseball games and Red Sox games, and like, that's amazing because you're bringing everybody together, but you're doing an experience. But if if I were to reach out to somebody and say, hey, let's, can we meet for 30 minutes, you know, and have coffee, it would probably go into the spam mailbox where at this conference all day long folks were meeting you know i had colleagues um, that were there that i know from different companies and they didn't attend a single session they had meetings with potential investors they had meetings with school districts they had meetings with other companies that they could partner and try to move the um you know their mission forward from writing to i mean you name it right any kind of ed tech tool was there well, and it's interesting, right? Because every conference has a different culture to it and a different purpose. And, you know, I think about those events that you hosted that I got to be a part of, um, you know, and it was for the normative kind of traditional system, right? So so you're, you're entering into that supportive system, whereas ASU GSV is very much on, you know, talking about the innovation, the future, what's next or what's here or how do we do better and so there's this forward thinking where it's like it's bringing people together who are of a different mindset and a different, you know, sort of, of, of just personality, I think, even too. What was something that when you reflect on the future of education or some of the things that you heard out of that serendipity or some of those conversations that were serendipitous, like what's something that, that you heard that's like, oh, this gets me excited? Yeah. So I think a lot of the sessions, you know, for me being the nerd I am, a lot of them I uh, went to that were superintendent focused because I was trying to get away of the land of, you know, I know what's going on in California where we live, but there's plenty outside of the state. So there was a lot of conversations around, you know, what district leaders are using ESSER funding for and what, you know, there's some precedent and amount of uh, money that's available at these districts for different kind of programs from learning loss to social emotional learning to you name it right replacing hvac systems hiring teachers like the the list of things never gets shorter but really learning from folks that are really pushing the needle and doing things and have been doing things and this just really accelerated and poured gasoline on kind of the plans that they already had and then on the flip side also some folks that are kind of figuring it out and 
you know, doing some pilots and moving quite slowly. And, and I totally get that side of it too, right? There's been plenty of uh, school site folks, there's even vendors who have, you know, started partnerships and it really went sour for whatever reason, right? Usage or not a proper implementation plan or you name it, the countless uh, number of things that can go wrong with a partnership, but really seeing the, the kind of conversations around hey, we know we have all of this money, what can we get in the hands of students and really try to do something unlike what we've been doing for the last 20 years, right? And even in my space, you know, for going on 10 years now in like the tutoring space, right? Like ESSER funding calls out for, you know, 20% of the money going towards learning loss and tutoring. And for every district I talk to that has a plan and is like, oh, we have something in place, we're working with a vendor, there's 80% that have no plan and are, you know, seeing which teachers want to opt in after school to do tutoring and really that traditional model that they've had for 20 years. And look, does that work some places? Totally. But in this time where like there's money to do some experiments, like I'm forever the person that it's like pick three vendors, give them all small contracts and see what kind of, uh, see what they can do with those students and what kind of uh, real data they can show you and also get feedback from the families, get feedback from the students. And I think it takes me back to the days that, you know, we ran programs at, at Valley, right? We said, hey, you know, let's build a trust with the community first, right? Let's give out, if we need to give out $20,000 of free tutoring on us, then so be it. But like, that's how we can build the trust with the families, but also with your office and with your administration and like, you know, taking the long-term approach. Well, and I think that's one of the things that I always find interesting, right? And I think you and I have talked about this. When you look at the big, massive districts and you, you talk about so many of them just don't have plans and they have all this money and we see the needs, right? And, and that idea or that wondering of, you know what, how do, you know, and districts have this tendency, we got we to gotta have one partner. We've, we've got to know exactly what the outcomes are going to be. And, and, and there's gotta be like this implementation phase, right? And we really don't have time for some of that right now, right? And so we're seeing this in education where it's this chaos, it's this little bit of a free-for-all, but it's a, a lot of it's a reset or a rethinking or reimagining. Like what would be in your encouragements to school leaders or people in those districts as you, know, as you, as you say, hey, you know what, take advantage of the influx of money the influx of creativity of options and, and the influx of, hey, we're trying to figure this out because it's kind of even new in our profession. I, you know, great question. I think, you know, for every district like LAUSD, they got $3 billion in ASTER funds and has $700 million to spend on learning loss, right? There's smaller districts that got no money. But I'll tell you that are still moving quickly, even though they don't have money, right? There's other buckets in California. They just announced the ELO grant for extended day. So there's, it feels like there's a, an abundant amount of resources, even if a district or a, or a school didn't get ESSER funds. But it, it's unique reflecting on like the last year of really, you know, going outbound to districts and seeing, you know, how we can be of help with, you know, some of my previous roles and some moving really quickly and some really saying like, hey, we, you know, we'll allocate 
X amount of dollars to this and show us what you can do. And then after this money runs out, after this program, let's go back to the drawing board and let's figure out if this is an effective use of our, of our money and what the ROI was. And if it was like, let's do a much larger purchase, right? So I think, you know, I've worked with districts that, you know, have $200 million in ESSER funds and they'll spend $50,000 on some kind of program for students. And you kind of just leave that conversation saying, A, I'm happy you're providing something to the kids, but B, how many kids is that going to actually impact, right? Like if we're talking about per student cost or per hour cost or whatever the resource is, right? Like how many kids can you affect with this? Because truly there's an allocation of a couple thousand dollars per student right now from the federal government to get them up to speed. And like, I mean, I'll tell you those stories of meeting with districts and, you know, they know the data and their kids are five grade levels behind. And you're like, you, it breaks your heart. I was that kid who came to America and didn't know English. And I was that EL pull out kid. And I know that life of multiple years of like missing, you know, core instruction to make sure you learn English or missing core instruction to really make sure you're up to speed and like five years behind. That's a scary thing to think about. So the other thing that as you, as you work with, or as you kind of have these conversations or think about this from the traditional public school district side of things, this is an interesting ASU GSV sounds to me because you're talking about like, you know, meet with a school that's from a person from a school in Dubai. You know, you're talking about the LinkedIn for K to 12. You're talking about VCs and you're talking about also then taking these districts and these this traditional system. And then you're throwing in all of these other people who are trying to some purposely disrupt the system, some, you know, who are trying to be additive to the current system. Like, What's something on the edges or the fringes or or even something emerging that you saw that was really exciting or encouraging to you? You know, I think some of the things I saw and just learning even outside of ASU GSV of kind of all of the different things going on with like teachers and cohort based learning where like teachers, if they're, you know, the most popular AP bio teacher at their district now they have access to go online, build their own class. And through an organization like, you know, I have friends that recently went to Emil who did a uh, change to subject, like they're accredited now. So you can take a class and it actually wipes out one of your classes that you might have to take at your school district, right? Like that is very next level where some people are like, oh my gosh, this is a no brainer. Why wouldn't we have this? And others are really well, what happens to the teachers that we employ at our school that are doing this, right? And uh, I think, you know, you and I always nerd out about like growth mindset versus fixed mindset and like more opportunities for students to get ahead or take the summer and take multiple classes if they're interested in something, even if it might not look good on their college application, like there's no harm in letting students explore, right? Like going back to like Elon Musk, you can love him, you can hate him. Like he spent every day at the library. They lived near a library and he read every book possible on every topic possible. And like, now you can kind of take that info and say, he's curious about a lot of things and look at all the things he does. Well, he as a kid 
had a chance to explore all kinds of different topics and say, this is something I'm interested in and this not so much, but like that exploration for students is really key. And there's some neat organizations doing that and really allowing students to say, hey, like you can take this over the summer and get your AP credit, or you can take this exploratory class. And like, you, you know, right, there's been Stanford online classes for years and you can take, you know, Chicago and MIT courses, like that's not a new thing, right? But I think if it's packaged in a way where now it's for credit and the student can get out of a class by taking something that they might be interested in, like as a student, I would be really, really excited with that. Well, it seems to me like you know one of the great opportunities that that i'm seeing emerge even prior to the pandemic that was fun for me as a counselor was what where you know is to craft a learning experience you know and and to craft your education you know and oftentimes it is that central home base of like your school but then you know it is where is that other opportunity what's that online class that will either accentuate accelerate or or even replace so that then at your home base they have a specialty that you can do more in um and then even like add to it like you know with the tutoring work that you've done and some of the you know you 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 create this learning experience rather than just thinking about your schooling as a one-stop shop I mean, is that a little bit of like what you're seeing and, and how is an insider outsider, you know, especially on that tutoring side for many years, wh what's your perspective on some of the multidimensional nature of crafting that learning experience? You know, I read something the other day um, and listened, I think I sent you this podcast where I was talking about that over COVID district leaders added like a hundred different ed tech tools into the mix, right? Some that they already had, some that they just got more licenses to, but imagine a hundred additional products from Zoom to a tutoring platform to Google Classroom to you name it, right? Who's managing all of that, right? Like, and effectively, right? Like we always talk about usage rates and any product that you're bringing to the table, how many students are going to be able to use it. You know, the idea is always amazing. This is a great tool. How many kids are actually going to use it? What's the implementation going to look like? And just the sheer volume of different resources out there. It's, you know, uh, I think the podcast I'm referencing, it has like, you know, a new service where they'll actually for within like four to six weeks, evaluate it with one of their district partners and say, okay, this tool, we've ran the evidence in a short window and like we would approve this like on a larger scale. And like, I've never heard of that level of service for an organization that's looking to work with more students. So that, that got me really excited, right? Because there's no shortage. I mean, as you and I know, um, we talked about this extensively, right? Even at Valley Christian, there was programs in place where we talked at length about how is this going? Are kids using this? Like, is it effective? And sometimes the answer was no, but that didn't mean that tomorrow it was ending, right? Somebody was in charge of that and that was their baby. And for educators to say like, look, I picked up, I picked something that didn't work is not, does not happen often, right? Folks do not say, Hey, I chose a solution because there was a great pitch. It looked great. There was a great deck. I got a great demo. And you know what? For my population of students, that was not the right choice. It is a okay 
to say that, right? And I, I don't think that there's enough of that going. I think sometimes, I mean, you know me forever. I'm the person that like, if one of my competitors uh, is in at a school, I will gladly just reach out and say, how's it going? Like, I'm not here to pitch you anything. I just want to know how your kids are using this. And like, we might have a different solution. I might be at a different company in a couple of years and I'm forever building that relationship and finding out are the kids getting what they need from a solution in place. And unfortunately, sometimes it's really, you know, oh yeah, everything's going well. Like, is it really? So when you reflect on ASU GSV, I'm, I'll put you on the spot here and I did prep you for this one. Are there any like, like if for the listeners, like you got to go check out this organization or you got to check out this work or, you know, this, I came across this school, right? Like what, give a couple of shout outs if you're comfortable, like who should people be tracking or following just because it's, it was something that piqued your attention. Yeah. So let me even go back to my well of info. So I attended a session with a couple of superintendents across the country and it was all around like innovation through the equity lens. And they were talking about, you know, you know, whatever programs were being put in place is not just for, you know, the gate kids or the kids that are in special ed, but really looking at the lens of like, how do we impact all of the kids? Um, there were some sessions around school choice. There were some sessions around, you know, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates session. And I've never been to any of their session and like the data that they presented. I'm not one to say that I go into sessions and I'm like, whoa, this was like, I need this deck right away because this was stuff I learned. But I sat in that Bill and Melinda Gates session and they talked about, you know, how they provide funding to companies to really, you know, prove out the data and prove out the research. And a lot of the things that they were sharing that I thought I already knew on, you know, effective tutoring programs and what does it look like when students are getting in school instruction versus out of school versus weekend versus parent led versus school led all these different kind of metrics um, because they're truly like the nerds at this right like that's what they do and being a nonprofit like that's what they put their money behind um, I think that session around you know effective programs and what it looks like and what it doesn't look like was really eye opening but I also you know, I credit, um, I think it was Karen Johnson from the Bill Melinda Gates Foundation. She said, you know, what I know works now in three years, we might look at the data and say, well, you know what, this other thing that we weren't even considering was also pretty effective. And, you know, it, it really kind of opened my eyes to what we think is working now in three years might not work. And what we don't think is working now in three years might prove out to be the best solution ever. And nobody would have thought. So really kind of having that lens of like, you know, for as much as we think we know everything, like there are solutions out there that are going to really in a couple of years, people are going to say, wow, that was a, an amazing decision. And we're, we're glad we took the fire on, you know, spending some of our dollars on this solution. So I, I, sometimes I'm like, I come away from these things and I get excited about them like you do, but then there's also part of me that's just a skeptic, right? Because I've been at this a long time, you know, I, I've seen a lot of things 
Um, and then online, one of the sessions I went to was a bunch of, of people from the more traditional districts uh, from our state of California talking about, you know, in, in innovation. I'm like, they're, they're 20, 30 years behind. Um, they're thinking about how do we pour more money and resources into um, kind of stagnant places. And I don't want to be critical of them. So that, that's, that's my concern. What, and this is really the question, because I, I came away and I think I was texting you during that one, is, is what gives you hope for the work ahead? So I think we're in this weird critical time, right, where like $190 billion just got pumped into the K-12 system, right? And I think if anything from last week, the excitement level was there, right? It was, you know, here's somebody who's backing it. Here's somebody who's trying to create the change with a solution. And here's somebody that could use the solution to impact kids and really the the energy around, you know, what really can happen, not even just in the US, right? Like the largest ed tech provider in the world is like an Indian um, company. They're valued at like $22 billion, right? Like that's a huge market that I don't know anything about, right? And one of my fellow on deck folks, uh, she won the ASU GSV Cup, right? She, I believed, I'm going to butcher this, but it's like a $6,000 um, master's program. In, that uh, originated in Africa. So it's for anyone who wants a master's, it's 6,000 bucks. And like, where is that ever like a, an option in the US, right? Or where is that even an option anywhere, right? So really disruptive ways to think about, you know, what's possible and what, what students can really um, take by the horns and really like jump on and ride the wave, right? So from the K-12 side to the higher ed side to, I mean, there's just a lot of excitement. And, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that, you know, within the U.S., this $200 billion of funding really can get into the hands of kids that can experiment, right? If it's tutoring, if it's taking a coding program, if it's just a summer program, right? Like there's districts spending money on summer programs really to have their kids experience a level of fun, right? Because they've been in front of the computer for a year and a half. So there's, there's so much resource out there right now that it's like, uh, you know, for all of, uh, I know you have tons of district leaders, school leaders listening to this, right? Like, there's so many different solution providers, like don't be constrained to, okay, I need XYZ YMCA program that's always been here to do this, right? Like think about things that you've never thought about because I bet you there's a solution out there for that. Well, and the thing I appreciate about you, maybe the last question, you know, in ASU, GSB, you know, watching you, you know, and then you're sending me pictures and you're texting, you're telling the stories of connecting there. Educators often, we want to solve the problem ourselves, right? And I think the one thing I appreciate about you is like, oh, no, if you work with or if you partner or if you get to know like they can help you do that. And they probably can solve that problem better than if you do it yourself as, a, as an educator, as a school, as a district, whatever it might be. It, what would be your encouragement to my friends who are school leaders, teachers, educators in this space that, you know what, partner, 
find the partners? Like how, how do you help people rethink just even what we traditionally think about in schools? Yeah, good question. Um, I think first and foremost is, you know, resources like yourself, right? Like, please reach out to me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, uh, mail carrier pigeon, however I could be of service to you, but like resources like yourself, right? For all of your, and I know you're amazing about that, right? Where if somebody needs something, you have a friend here, go talk to this person, but really first using the network, but then also doing some, and there's not enough time in the day ever, right? But really seeing what folks nearby are doing, you know, and taking all of that with a grain of salt too, right? There's plenty of service providers that have gone in and saturated a market and it's a solution that's just a-okay, right? So I always take anything uh, anyone else is doing with a grain of salt because your students might be different than the students at their district or their school, but really kind of using the network. And look, I mean, I've been in a tech space for 15 years now from McGraw-Hill selling books to LAUSD to running after school programs for LAUSD to you know, C2 education, center-based tutoring to rev prep to college counseling with college-wise to varsity tutors. Like there's been no shortage of stops along my path. Like if you need uh, a vendor recommendation or a connection to somebody at, at a company, even if I didn't work there, right? Like I'm all for the students getting the services they need to really up-level them for whatever that looks like, right? So if it's a solution that I can help you with, amazing. If it's not, like I will plug you in with somebody because it's all about the students getting what they need. And, you know, I think you and I bonded long, long ago, right? Around just this idea that I have this quote written somewhere, I can't even find it now, but it's like, if you make a sale, you can earn a commission, but if you make a friend, you can earn a, a lifetime of just like gratitude. And like, that is most people that get into ed tech and most, I say, not all, right? Like they're truly, yes, do we all need to pay our bills and keep the lights on and pay our rent and our mortgages? Of course, right? But truly, you know, I'm successful when kids are successful, when I can make the district leader I'm working with look good, when I can make that teacher at back to school night look good, when the student improves on grades or whatever kind of the, the idea of success looks like. And that looks like a different picture to everybody, right? For some time, for some students, it's getting them to turn on their cameras, right? If it's a Zoom class. For others, it's how do we improve their grades? How do we stop truancy? Like you name it, right? There's no shortage of different uh, success metrics that everyone's looking at. But like, if you have one, like share it with others because I bet you that others have solutions in place that you can at least make a list of like, okay, I need to talk to these three folks and, and figure out if this is gonna be something that's beneficial for the families I serve. Uh, Jacob, I appreciate your time. I appreciate this conversation. I appreciate your friendship. Um, and then let's party at ASU GSV in the future. Let's do it. Thanks for having me.